This podcast is for adults only. If you're under 18, please visit scarleteen.com for more information about sex education. Hi, uh, thanks for downloading another episode. Uh, I learned a, a brand new sexual maneuver, a sexual technique, if you will, this weekend. Uh, this is on the advanced level. I'm not going to give you all the details, but I'll just give you some hints. It involves oral sex and repeatedly punching someone in the face. It's important to just, well, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, if you donated $25 or more to the podcast, first off, thank you. Also, you should have gotten an email saying, hey, here's your bonus episode. If you donated $50 or more, you'll be getting a second one soon. But if you didn't get an email saying, thanks for donating, and here's your bonus episode, that means one of two things happened. Either I sent you the email and it's in your spam folder, or you didn't supply me with uh, an alternative email address for you to uh, to be contacted by. I, I some people, they donated, and their PayPal address is clearly a work email address. I'm not about to send, you know, an email from massacast.com to someone's work email address. So your privacy is very important to me. Make sure you email me directly, massacast at gmail.com, and I will uh, send you your bonus episode. This episode, it's uh, part of the kink from around the globe feature, going all the way to Australia this time. Someone whose uh, blog I've been reading for a long time. Ferns is her name. She's a dominant woman. She's funny. She's smart. And she's got a great website. And it's D-O-M-M-E hyphen chronicles.com. You can find a link on the website, massycast.com. So here's my conversation with the Ferns. So I might, I might stop you at some point to clarify your local vernacular. Yes, that's fine. Is that fine? Because not only do I not have an accent, I also don't use Australian slang ever. I'm sure. Um, so, so, well, we'll get into the Australian kink scene, um, which I think is a drink in some bars. <laughs> well, if it's uh, not, it should be. I'll have an Australian kink scene, please. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the name, what is the genesis of your name? Oh, it's a, I, I should make up a much more interesting story. I had to have a, um, login for actually a work system a million years ago and I wanted something as short as possible because I'm extremely lazy like too lazy to even type things and and, um, it was um, it's a combination of letters from my name oh wow it, it was gender neutral, so I quite liked being on the internet in a gender neutral sense back in the early days because if you were a female on the internet, you were like yeah, a, a dick magnet, if you like. <laughs> um, you said that like it's a bad thing. I know, right? As mm. soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that might be all right. But yeah, really, it's not. I'm just trying to guess your real name now. Serves. Snurves. Yes, Snurves? <laughs> Snurfs. 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 Yeah, yeah. Snurfs. Um, Don't tell anybody. I just, I'm very fascinated by Australia. I'm sure you get that quite a bit. But everyone imagines um, Australia being this place where uh, everyone looks like Elle McPherson, even the guys, and, um, and there's just crazy sex going on all the time. Everyone's, on the beach. On the beaches. Everyone's, I mean, everyone's just, it's a very relaxed society. Is that, is that true? Um. It is true. I've lived in quite a few places in the world and 
it is a wonderful place to live. I think the everyone does look like more like Elle McPherson's sister, Mimi McPherson. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all look like that. Australia is a fabulous place to live. Of course, all the myths are not true. Not even the myths about how dangerous it is here, though we do like to scare the tourists with that because it makes everyone laugh. Right. Um, I think, and I think I, I put on my blog one time a photo when I first moved to where I live now, where I have a path to the beach straight across the road. And someone had put a sign up going, brown snake on the path. And they'd underline brown because brown snakes are really venomous. And I thought, that is so funny. Because if you're a tourist, you would think, oh, my God, this must happen all It never happens. Never happens. (laughs) So I went and took a photo of it because it was so hilarious and ridiculous. And I also thought it was really funny because it had been written on a broken surfboard. So not only are there brown snakes on the path to the beach, someone's gone in the surf, ruined their surfboard, probably injured themselves fatally or horribly, and then someone's taken their piece of broken, sad injurious board and gone and there's snakes too (laughs) (laughs) well i just uh i just always imagine i don't know and i don't know what it is maybe it's just the australian tourism board maybe it's i mean i have no idea what it is everyone i've never met an asshole from australia and then again i haven't met rupert murdoch yet when that happens (laughs) it'll be a different story but i have never met an asshole australian it's almost like you guys are the you know the Norwegians or the Swedes of the you know the southern versions of the Norwegians and the Swedes, just very kind of chill, relaxed. Except you're more tan, obviously. Um, I, I think you get you get a certain subset who travel, right? Yeah, yeah. You you meet tons so, of Australians in 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 New York City, especially. <laughs> well, I think I think we, you, you get a a bias because the people that you are going to meet who are traveling are a certain kind of people, right? Yeah, that's true. So I doubt that you're going to meet a whole bunch of people who are on a Contiki tour in Europe. Oh, yes, well. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have plenty of those as well. <laughs> well but I think, I think generally if you, avoid, if you avoid certain places where Australians congregate and behave appallingly, the Australians that you do meet travelling and the Australians that you meet like doing your normal stuff around um, in any city in Australia – are really nice, affable, friendly, generous people. And I did a thing once and I felt so bad about it because people were so nice to me. I um, This is not talking about kink at all. Do you care? No, 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 no. <laughs> when I was at university, I, um, a friend of mine and I went to some bar and my parents are Dutch, right? So I speak Dutch and... We went into some bar and we pretended that we were tourists. And I spoke Dutch and he pretended that he didn't speak any English or understand any English and I had this terrible accent. And we just spoke to people and people were so lovely to us that we felt really guilty. Like people saying, why don't you come home for dinner? Or, you know, we've got a beach house, you can use our beach house. Or we, we live up in Rockhampton if you're coming up that way. It was appalling. We felt so bad that we were lying to them. <laughs> We had to kind of skulk out. It's kind of like because we couldn't face like telling the truth or you know people giving us and we were a couple like it wasn't just me girly on my own and people going men going it was us as a couple and right were being amazingly amazingly generous to us it was shocking well we could talk to uh, we could talk about your your homeland uh, all, if anyone wants to know anything about Australia just go to Outback Steakhouse done 
right? Oh, That's pretty much. Please. Somebody had to tell me about that place. It was so embarrassing. I'm like, people really don't think that's like an Australian thing, right? Okay, hold on. First of all, uh, no rules, just right. That's their slogan. That's clearly, (laughs) I mean, they serve fosters. What more do you possibly need to know about Australia? And there's boomerangs. Oh, my God. um, Do the onions bloom there? Is there, they serve this thing called Bloomin' Onions. Are there bloom, uh, flaming, flaming onions? Blooming no, onions? These are called blooming onions. They're like deep fat fried, which right there, you know, it's American. Looked at, I looked at, yes, I looked at the menu because it's, they come out of California, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did look at the menu and yes, there was quite a lot of things on it that we have never had in our lives ever, ever, ever here anywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> but blooming is like, you know, you know that it's a, it's a, it's a swear word. I want to say, I want to say blasphemy, but it's not. It's not strong enough to be blasphemous. It's a. It's like bloody onions. Yeah, bloody onions. Right. Now let's talk about uh, you as a person, and then we'll talk about the kink scene there. But um, it's going to be a short conversation because I'm not involved in it really. Well, no, but you must know about it. We'll get. We'll, get, we'll warm up. Is that? For, we'll more, is that a, You've just made a rule for me that I must know about it. No, I'm sure you. You've heard. Did you, did you uh, predicate this interview on that? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I. I assume you've heard. You've heard friends talk about it. I, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> or you don't want to talk about that now. We'll argue about that in a minute. All right. <laughs> uh, you actually recently did a, a, a thing on your blog, uh, sort of a series on on what it was like for you to become a dom. Or I did. But it almost sounds like you always kind of were. You just didn't have a name for it. I think that's kind of right. And I, I think, I don't know, I, I get really uh, about people who swan about and go, oh, I was always this way. You know, this is how I was born. And, and I just go, oh, fucking shut up. So I don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people. I think one of the things that happened with me is that I learned very early that I didn't like the attention that I got from men who felt, or boys at that age, who felt like I owed them something. And I think that's where my attitude came from to start with, that I would see my girlfriends just being treated terribly by their boyfriends. And I don't mean, you know, abuse or anything. I just mean they were jerks. They were jerks and the girls kept going back to them or, you know, accepting it and thinking it was okay and this was how it was supposed to be. And I just remember going, what the fuck is that? Like, who who the hell wants that? I think I learnt very early on what I didn't want and what I didn't like. And after I learnt that, I just refused to accept less than I thought I deserved and that I wanted. So I guess in that sense, there was, there was certainly always a power imbalance in those very early relationships because I never had a problem just going, yeah, you're not doing what I want. You can piss off. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and to me, that doesn't seem a very difficult concept. Like you would think everybody in the world would do that, right? I think there is a there is a self confidence thing, and I think there's also a an understanding that 
and I'm, I, don't, I don't know that if that is part of confidence, but it's an understanding that you don't have to. So maybe, maybe, yeah, you don't have to put up with things that don't make you happy. And even now when I, when I look at relationships play out, a lot of what I see, and it's, a, it's even in DS relationships with a female dominant, I see it still a lot with women that they compromise the shit out of everything. Even in a DS relationship, like, and can they you give do me some it, examples. Or? Well, let's say let's say um, a woman starts off going, "This is what I want out of a relationship. These are the things that will make me happy," and then they meet a man who they like, and he goes, "Well, you know, I'm not that keen on that thing," and she goes, "Oh, well, that's okay. You know, I, I don't have to have that," and as their relationship goes on and she likes him and she's enjoying being in a relationship with him and then he goes, you know what, I don't like that other thing either. And she's like, oh, okay, sweetie, that's, that's fine. You know, that's not that important either. And what I see is them compromising away their happiness for the relationship. And it, it boggles my mind that what they end up with is being in the relationship with this man and they're unhappy and they don't know how it happened and I find that fascinating. And I find it fascinating particularly that it happens in a DS relationship as much as it, or maybe not as much, but almost as much from what I see as it happens in vanilla relationships. One of the big things with a DS relationship is that people buy into this thing that the D-type has all the power just because they do. Right. right. <laughs> so when, when that happens to the dominant party where they're just giving up everything, 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 people can't conceive that that's what's actually happening because to all intents and purposes, oh, no, 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 the dominant has all the authority here when in actual fact they don't have any authority. They're just scrabbling to keep hold of this relationship. Yeah. When did uh, you discover the BDSM aspect? Um, after I fell in love for the, for the first time. Um, that relationship ended and it was a vanilla relationship but he was um, the first what I describe as um, vanilla submissive so there was no we didn't had never heard of DS had never heard of BDSM but to all intents and purposes from what I know now he was submissive to me and it was the first time I had a relationship where I was comfortable where he didn't roll over and play dead. He was perfectly capable of standing up to me, but he chose not to over and over again because he wanted me to be happy and he wanted to give me what I wanted. Um, and that was amazing to me. So I kind of had identified then the sort of man who could make me happy. And, I mean, he was happy as well. So it worked out that what he wanted was to be the one who put that smile on my face. Right. And in a lot of ways, vanilla men in love look like that, right? So you had the vanilla submissive. Yes. So I fucked that up. Okay. <laughs> um, and I was in the UK at the time and he is English. Um and I was there for about four years. And when I came home, 
we actually we actually tried to rekindle it long distance because there was a real bond there and it just didn't work. Yeah. So I started to, you know, meet men around in the world at work and wherever you meet men and I, I just it just wasn't working very very well because I knew then but by then what I wanted, right? And I have I don't want to say high standards, but I have high standards. Sure. <laughs> and the men that I was meeting were just not that. And um, I discovered IRC, Internet Relay Chat. And oh my goodness, this is in the days before Skype, in the days before digital cameras, in the days before any of that sort of... Oh yeah, no, I, I was in the same, yeah. And I was I absolutely my memory is appalling at the best of times I don't remember why I went into some BDSM chat room but I did and I started to talk to people there and amazingly um, maybe because the internet wasn't such a big thing yet amazingly it wasn't full of trolls and wankers it was full of very respectful men and they all assumed that I was a dom because I had my nickname capped and that's how it works, right? Yes, of course. But <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> um, and so I, I got all this, this lovely attention and I started talking to people and that's how I discovered BDSM. It was almost by accident. And when I started exploring a little, I thought, you know, this sounds kind of good to me. Like, these men sound amazing. And it felt like it fitted how I was and it felt like all of a sudden here were these men who were choosing, like making a conscious choice to be that guy. And that was huge to me because before that, I I think finding someone who wants to do that and who doesn't behave that way because they're scared because they're fearful or they're nervous or they have low esteem or any of those negative things, the ones who choose to do it because that is how they are and that's what makes them happy. There's a huge difference between them. Yeah. Finding that there were men out there who made that consciously made that choice was kind of awesome to me. So you had a lot of cyber sex? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> when, before that, I was such a cyber slut. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I, I was like a dude. Seriously. I would, I would trawl the chat rooms for cyber sex. And I'm sure everybody thought I was a bloke because I'd just go into rooms and go, you, you stringing that sentence together all lovely-like, right. I'll have you. <laughs> Did you ever meet anyone from, from IRC? I did well. I did, yes, but not those people. And in, in those days, everybody on the internet was American. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> you were the only Australian with internet access. Is that what you're trying to say? Only one. Well, there was very few. Oh, okay. Very few. Oh, you were saying so, you wouldn't go into like Australian BDSM. You'd go into just BDSM. Not even BDSM. I just go into random sex chat rooms. Like right. I was just. And I once pretended to be a gay guy, gay dom, who was awesome. 
You, you're one of those people. You're one of those people that so many people complain about. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure the couple of gay boys that I played with heartily complained about it. <laughs> I, I, I've never even contemplated that as being a possibility, right? I never even yeah. thought, because here it is. I mean, this has happened. And since we have, we have a profile as a couple, we have a profile uh, for Saw to look for a submissive girl to play with on occasion, right? And we will get so many guys posing as women. And you know, you know exactly the, the ones who are guys posing as women because within very short order, they'll say, uh, what are her shoe, what's her shoe size? Or they'll say, you know, something, yeah. something very, does she, make, does she make you wank it, you know, on your knee? You know, something, they'll say something so obvious that's not, I mean, it's just not, there's, it's just not, right? I can tell right away. You, you are the nightmare for gay guys. I didn't even imagine this to be possible. So there's a there's a guy who's gay who's typing and he's he's probably saying to himself, "Are you really a girl? That's right. You're really a girl, aren't you? You big girl. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably just some pervy woman masturbating sicko. Right. Can't exactly. believe this, you women getting on our hot gay man on man action. That's right. Show some respect." <laughs> Throwing your vaginas around in people's faces. Clear. Right. Never actually pretended I wanted to be in a relationship with them. Oh, you just you just have you just have cyber. Oh, I was picking up cyber sex. Right. And I actually tried to be tried to um be a gay bottom. But if you're a gay bottom in those environments, you have to wait for someone to pick you. Right. So I just don't have the patience for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's off. <laughs> so, so how how did you? I mean, I guess maybe you had enough cyber sex with guys to know the the terminology or, or what was hot or something like that for a guy to say. Or did you ever say something that was just? Did you? I'm saying, did you ever accidentally say something as posing as a gay guy? That was just blew your cover. Like, did you ever say, no. yeah, run your teeth all over my penis. It feels so good when you bite it. You're really good at this. Well, I don't know. No, I'm just saying, did you ever do anything that blew your cover? So blow your cover, no pun intended. A couple of times because I wanted to see what it was like. And because I have a bit of a case of penis envy and that's the only way I can, you know, get that happening. Right. Um, but no, I mean... Guys in that state of mind aren't thinking, right? Right, so, right. If I said if I said something a bit stupid, I'm sure they'd go, ah, oh, whatever. Did you ever worry that maybe someone was scamming you? That maybe there was a, another woman who was acting like a, a submissive guy? No, no, because... Because women don't it, do that? Is that what you were going to say? You were going to say women don't do that? No, no, no. I was going to say, if I was cyber-sliding, I didn't care. Oh. <laughs> so you have standards except in the cyber world, is what you're saying. More about their typing skills and their imagination. Uh, okay. So when was the, when did you finally meet someone for kinky stuff in person? Um, I there was there was um an Australian BDSM um chat room of some type on on IRC, and we organised a munch. 
and I met people that way, though no partners, no partners that way. I never, I have never met a partner out in the scene ever. Did you ever play, you know, do anything like that, or were you just making friends? Um, I, I did a little bit of public play in the early days. The first time I ever played ever was in public, which is, I'm just shocked at myself now. <laughs> just like, what the fuck were you thinking? Why? Um, How is that? Why is that such a big? And tons of people have that experience. Um, because I didn't know what I was doing. Because I went into a club and I. For the first time, I didn't know anybody. I went with a submissive female friend of mine and I had brought a flogger that I had never used on anybody and it was my first experience and it wasn't, a, it wasn't an established BDSM club. It was a goth um, club of some sort where they ha- were having a BDSM night. So it was a little bit kink scene light you know what I mean yeah I expect that had it been a serious kink event someone would have probably pulled me inside and said what the fuck are you doing <laughs> but that's a perfect introduction though don't you think um I mean it was a it was a good introduction for me it was terribly unsafe for a lot of reasons not least was because they had tile floors and they had some sort of blow up bath with something wet in it and you had and to still got, have the tag on the flogger and that got all over the floor and it made the floor really slippery wow yeah that's not really, it was hey, really... needle play everyone <laughs> and it was the first it was the first experience i'd had i mean at all ever but it kind of blew my mind that some of it was just like what happens in a chat room that blew my mind it was like bizarre that I had these men and I don't think this really happens at serious kink events so much or that my experience is that it doesn't happen there so much like what? that I had men coming up to me and asking me to do stuff to them oh god yeah that happens all the time well see I never had that experience at at kink clubs I never had that experience and when they did come up they were more chatty and friendly and you know not and I know a lot of women say they have that experience, and I think it must differ in different places in the world. Mm-hmm. I never experienced it anywhere except at this one club. And I haven't, I mean, my experience out in the kink community is pretty thin, so I might have just been lucky. But um, one guy coming up to me and, and asking if I would take him out the back and choke him until he passed out. And I'm like, Oh, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So so how was the sex? There was no sex. There was. I'm kidding. There was. Oh, yeah, sure you were. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There was um, some face slapping, which was awesome. Um, With this, this guy just going, hit me harder, hit me harder. And I was obviously never done this before any, anything before so no. I, I don't think I very hard or as hard as he liked but it was huge rush um, and there, were, there must have been and my memory as I said is appalling there must have been a whole bunch of stuff happening because I, at the end towards the end before I went home with my girlfriend there was 
these two guys who came up with their girlfriends and they were vanilla looking guys like they weren't goth looking they weren't bdsm dressed or anything like that and they came up and they were all we want you to whip us and i'm like who the fuck are you and they're like aren't you the house dom and i'm like what (laughs) what is that anyway um so I must have been quite active doing stuff, but I can't remember what. You must have been fairly convincing for your first time, though, if you fooled the vanillas. You know, fooling the vanillas doesn't take much. And <laughs> take that, I, vanillas. Take that. Take that and party. Um, <laughs> I actually, I don't know, I, I had a lot of confidence, and it, I don't know what gave me that confidence, a fairly healthy dose of arrogance, I think. <laughs> and I made them beg me, right? So I'm like, I'm not interested in what you want and blah, blah, blah and all sorts of rah, rah. And they were assholes, <laughs> really. Right. So they were going off for their girlfriends, right? They were, <laughs> and anyway, I made them get on their knees and I made them beg for it. And I'm going, no, not good enough, you know, all this sort of stuff. And finally I agreed to give them a flogging. And the first guy, they had... Um, uh, some sort of cuffs, I think it must have been, hung from the ceiling. And so I took his shirt off, I strung him up and I flogged him, right? And I, I, I don't remember much about that guy. What I do remember is afterwards sitting with him because he was out of it, right? Um, and getting him some water and he was a bit shaky and it, he was surprised, obviously, that it had impacted him because, you know, they were just jerks. And the second guy was the one that if I hadn't had that experience, I probably would have just pretty much walked away and gone, yeah, whatever. But the second guy, there was something about him. And I don't remember what he looked like. I don't remember anything about really him as a person but what I remember was I did the same thing I strung him up I'd made him take his shirt off and I remember teasing him a lot so I must have found him attractive so I was telling him that this is going to hurt and and whispering to him and a lot of touching and he was cocky jerk right he was mugging for his girlfriend and being a dick and um I started to hit him and it was pretty soft at first and he was still showing off and carrying on and then it got a bit harder and and he started to watch what I was doing. So instead of looking at his girlfriend, he started looking at me and I was walking around him and there was a lot of touching and there was some scratching and I remember asking him many times, does it hurt? And he was going, yes, yes, it hurts. And I really quite seriously laid into him and at some point he started begging me to kiss him please kiss me please kiss me please please just kiss me and his whole body was like reaching for me as I moved around him and he was hyper focused and at some point I undid his pants and he was terrified, terrified that his pants are going to fall down. Please don't let my pants fall down, please. You know, the whole humiliation thing. Yeah. And his cock was hard from about 10 minutes into it. The whole 
time through the pain and everything. And I also remember at one point his girlfriend, which I don't blame her, I would have been so unhappy if I was her, um, when I was taking a break from hitting him and checking in with him and asking him how he was and him reaching for my mouth because I was whispering to him. And I remember her coming up and saying, can I touch him? And I just went, nah. She kind of slunk away and I thought, oh, man. If I was her, I would be so angry about the whole thing. Um, but I, in, in the moment, I didn't care. I didn't, She was just in my way. Get the fuck away from me. And it was the most incredible thing I had ever felt other than, you know, sex itself. Right. It was huge for me, huge. And I just thought, that's what I was thinking it was going to be like. And that was your first experience that playing. Was, yeah. It was huge. It was huge. And if it hadn't been for that guy, I swear, I would just have gone away and gone, yeah, no, it's not what I thought it would be. So it was incredible with him. And I don't know what it was, but I, I recognize now that he was feeding me this energy. And... The other people that were there that I, you know, even his mate who I hit some and got him endorphined, I didn't feel that with him. So there was something about him that just worked for me and that was the thing that I now can recognise when I see it, you know. But, oh, my God, incredible. So I was so lucky. So you're saying guys should be jerks and then show their true selves when being beaten. That's the, that's the key. I prefer they weren't jerks first. Thank you very much. All right, well. You obviously, you knew that was it, right? It sounded like the light bulb went off? Yes. I think, I think and I, I, I think it's more prevalent even now. You know, the people who get their experience first online and learn online and, and get all that input and have all these fantasies and their imagination and all that sort of stuff. Um and back to the thing about if it wasn't for that last guy, I would have felt very differently. I had, I think people go into these things and you were saying about um, a lot of first experiences being not all that. And I think a lot of that is because you build up these expectations, right? You know, you, you have how many years of imagination and online experience and all this stuff that is going on in your imagination. And I think I was very lucky that, that first, ex- that last guy gave me that nudge to go, it can be that. And that would, so yes, yeah, so that was the, the th- it was him that made me go, it can be that. And I, I honestly don't think I would have been interested enough if I hadn't had that to so, continue to pursue it. So you were on the prowl after that? Um, I, there was a period where I was quite, very involved in, and it, I lived in a small town. Well, a small town. It's a city of a million people then, and um, <laughs> well, how many people in the in the city in the town that you come from? Uh, I, uh, I I I went to high school in a town of a population of 116. <laughs> right. Not not thousand. <laughs> right. 116. Okay. Um, and I grew so up on a farm, so bit. there was no there was no one there. I mean, it was three five. of you, right? <laughs> right, five of you. Um, a million <laughs> yeah, people. Yeah, so relative. Oh, I'm so limited by these million people around me. <laughs> I think, in terms of the, 
the I don't know. I I think that that the subset of any subculture is always is always a, a cloistered environment, you know. Unless you have, I mean, even in New York, I think it doesn't everybody know everybody. Um, Pretty no, I mean. It, no, not really. I mean, sure, you go to a party or something like that, and there's a lot of people you recognize, but it's very easy to meet new people because there's always new people, you know, coming into the scene, right? Okay. Um, uh, but but yeah, but I know what you mean. There, there's it's it's very easy to get uh, in your little clique, you know. But if you're not looking to meet new people, that's great, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So so how did you? What was your next experience? How did you go about finding what you needed? So. I, I don't do chronology very well, but the, the IRC munches might have been after that. And I, I, from there, we used to have these munches, and then we go to Hellfire, which was the thing then. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I went enough times to get a feel for it, and I played maybe, I don't know, three or four times there in public. Um, and those those experiences varied, which I think would have put a very different spin on what I thought of it if that had been my my introduction more than anything. And I joined, there was a private club here at the time that I joined. Also, private BDSM club, you had to have an interview to be allowed to be a member. Right. <laughs> and I went to this interview at some cafe and the guy who ran it was a former student of mine. <laughs> oh, wow. Did you so, know going into it? No, I didn't. I didn't. And when I say student, it was a grown-up student, like from a business school, not from oh, okay. you know, school school. And he was so excited. <laughs> And I, fantasies on this whole thing. I don't I don't know. I didn't like to ask. But I was kind of like, oh my God. And he was all like, oh my God. <laughs> but it was very strange. What I found was that being a young woman, both in that private club and in the scene, there was a lot of pressure to play. And there was a lot of pressure to be more involved. And I, I'm not a joiner. For a start, I'm not a social person. I went because that was how you met people and that was how you learned things and that was what you did, right? And we tell newbies that all the time, right? You go to munches, you go to bands, you go to parties. But I'm not that person. So I went for a certain period until I decided that I really wasn't getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. And then the first time I got involved privately, I, again, with my um, submissive female friend, we actually got involved with a an older male dominant and we went and subbed for him for, I don't know, a few weekends. She was totally into it and I was the most rubbish <laughs> submissive ever. Why did, you, why, why, so did, that, why did you agree to it? Were you just like, ah, eh, whatever, like, we'll do it? Like, well, I agreed to it for a couple of reasons. One was because I was pretty aware that I didn't know anything. And he was very experienced. And I thought I could learn quite a bit 
from him. The other was because my girlfriend was so excited. <laughs> and I went, oh, for goodness sakes, all right. I'll come along. And uh, it was Did really you funny. Did you want to do it alone or? She, well, I, I think I didn't want her to do it alone. She wasn't known for making the best decision. Oh. So I wanted her to be safer than I thought she would be. But I, would, I mean, I wouldn't have done it alone either. She would have done it alone. I wouldn't have done it alone. Um, I'm sorry. So I, was, I just imagine you saying, because you have poor judgment, I'll have this threesome with you. Oh, no. Well, it wasn't a threesome. <laughs> okay. I just like, you have very poor judgment in men. We'll both sleep with them. <laughs> you know, I just, I, that's what it sounded like in my head. It was, it was actually funny the way it worked because sex was off the table and I told him that early on. I was not attracted to him. And um, that whole thing about com- compromising away your happiness, I'm going, you're not doing this. We're not doing that. I'm not having this. <laughs> and he was like, okay, okay. <laughs> you can look at me. That's it. That's right. You can look at me. You can play with me um, to these certain limits. And sex was, was the big one. I wasn't sleeping with him. Yeah. Um, and he knew, he knew, so he would ask her to do all sorts of stuff. And he'd never ask me because he knew I'd just go, no, nah, not doing that. <laughs> and it, it was really funny because she was all super submissive and fabulous. And I was, I was just like, you know, sullenly in the corner going, oh, no, nah, not doing that. No, nah, <laughs> I don't think I'll do that either. Yes, that. Yes, I want to do that. Let's do that. <laughs> so he was super frustrated with me. I had been out enough to realise that I was not going to find a partner in the kink community. And because there was very few Australians online and there weren't communities like FetLife, mm-hmm. um, I placed an ad in an alternative newspaper. And looking for a, a domestic slave because I thought, oh, look, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to emphasise the hot, sexy bit. Um, and I, I don't want to get a whole bunch of creepers who think I'm going to do them. Mm-hmm. So I advertised. I think I think I said, "Beautiful mistress seeks domestic male domestic slave." for household duties or something like that. <laughs> and um, it was in the days when you <laughs> you had to send a – I told them to send a photo and a self-addressed envelope. Right, right. <laughs> believe that. Um, I didn't get as many replies as you might think. I, I'm probably 12, of which half of them couldn't follow simple directions. Right. And I met, I think, three or four of them. And one of them looked like Johnny Depp, I swear. Oh, my God. What a beautiful man. <laughs> so you obviously had no interest in him. I had no interest in him. I went for the little dumpy one. Right. <laughs> um, and we dated for a while, but it didn't – I didn't really know what I was doing in a, rela- like in a DS relationship. And – he he was ambivalent about it. You know, he wasn't sure what he wanted. So between the two of us, it didn't particularly work very well. Um, 
so we had it didn't last long we we had moments of oh my goodness this is amazing and then a lot of times of yeah i don't know what we're doing here yeah um so my first experience then with actually trying to build a relationship was pretty ordinary <laughs> actually and it's funny because i think i think there is a a kind of a peak you go through like when you're learning there's that that the learning curve where you kind of have to figure out how to amalgamate what everything you know about vanilla relationships and the ones you've had because by then I was you know 30 and I'd had enough experience in relationships to know how to get the one I wanted and you then have to learn how to amalgamate that with the DS thing where you're on high alert on the DS side now right you know so you're emphasizing that stuff too much and not emphasizing just normal relationship building skills because you're all excited about the DS side. So I think that balance took a little while to to figure out. But I never really went back to the the kink community so much. It's funny that you should mention that you we're looking for kinky play and all that stuff in the guise of looking for someone to do domestic service. Yeah. Because uh, that, uh, this now connects a few dots from in, in my personal experience where I had answered a couple ads cause I enjoy service. So mm-hmm. I had, uh, when I was single, I answered a couple of ads because I, I, I had very difficult time finding someone who was interested in DS um, I would find people who every now and again, if I was lucky, would be up for playing. But I found it was much easier to find someone who wanted their house cleaned or something, right? Because, you know, there's no expectations and all this other stuff. And I remember on two different occasions, I thought to myself, I'm not really attracted to this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's okay because I can get the DS aspect out of it. And that'll and it'll maybe be more pure that way because I'm not attracted to them. Um so this is this is good, and in, in two specific instances I can remember, uh, I would be cleaning or something like that, and all of a sudden I'd feel a hand on me, and it would become very sexual, right? <laughs> Even though the ad had specifically said there will be no sex between us, nothing, <laughs> and then I'd be like bent over cleaning something, scrubbing a floor, and all of a sudden I'd feel a hand on my junk or something, and I'd be like, what the? But you can't. But I was in like such a DS, whatever, I would just keep cleaning or, you know, I'm not sure what to do because I don't uh-huh. want to outstep my bounds or something. But this happened many times, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one friend of mine, half maybe completely jokingly or something like that, she said, well, you're just clearly just so irresistible to them. <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> She's like, clearly, you're just so irresistible that they're willing to throw away their their ex you know their their previously stated desires and this happened like time and time again i was like what the hell and now i realize no they weren't really only looking for service they were looking for some sort of play but they didn't want to come out and say it yeah and i think the reason is because if you come out and say it you're going to get a whole bunch of creeps and even now on on any social like kinky social network or any site date so um, BDSM dating site if you say 
what I want is all these kinky play things, you will get the lowest common denominator talking to you. And it's a shame because women should be able to say, you know what, I want all this hot, sexy, kinky stuff. And I also want, but everyone stopped reading then, right? All the boys have stopped reading. They just go, oh, awesome. <laughs> Doesn't work, right? Very briefly, I want to talk about your, your, uh, e- your uh, my sent emails mm-hmm. section. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them, um, well, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you example. I'll read one of yours to you. I hope, I hope it's funny. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, this is you replying from someone, and here, here's your reply to them, your sent email to them. Hello, 22-year-old slave from nowhere near me. If you are really a slave, then the least you could do is pay attention to what women say in their profiles and behave accordingly. Does my profile say, quote, if you are nowhere near me and have no way to actually serve me, please email me with poor spelling and grammar begging to be my slave? I just checked, and it doesn't. Which is a very classy way to say get stuffed, by the way. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, I've seen some of your sent emails are you hitting on guys. Oh, come on. No, there's one. I would, I would never do such a thing. Okay, maybe hitting I, on I think you're making that up. Complimenting a guy's arms or something like that. <laughs> if memory serves, I didn't copy and paste that one. Well, my last, my last submissive, I contacted him with a compliment. And I do that a lot, actually. If I if I see things worth complimenting, I will send a compliment out into the void. And I don't expect anything from it. Sometimes there's a conversation. Sometimes there's nothing. That's all fine. And sometimes you hit the jackpot. So I, I kind of figure thoughtful men will do the same. They'll just send little things into the void and see what happens. I think you should realize, however, what uh, a shock to the system that is for a uh, submissive male on a on Caller Me or one of these dating sites to get an email unsolicited from a dominant woman usually results in irritable bowel sy- syndrome, um, <laughs> soiled underwear at least, you know, uh, sometimes it's temporary, sometimes it's long term. But you, it sounds like you've met people through it though. Yeah, yeah, my last uh, submissive, I he posted. He rarely posted on Fat Life, and he posted something in a movie group. I don't know why I was reading a movie group because I'm not in one. Um, and it was interesting enough for me to go and look at his profile, which made made me. It was a wall of text, and I skimmed it, and I went, oh, you know. That kind of looks interesting, but I just can't be bothered <laughs> reading a wall of text. There's no paragraph marks, nothing, nothing, nothing. And I could not stop thinking about it because there was some phrases in there that really struck me. And I ended up copying it into Word <laughs> and putting paragraph, putting paragraph breaks <laughs> in it so I could friggin' read the thing. And it blew my mind. And I sent him a compliment and said it was just about perfect and... Thank you for it, and hope you find what you're looking for. And then he said, when can he, I be over? And, and he was in New York, by the way. Oh, okay. And um, he, he sent a very sweet and funny email, and then an, another one like 10 minutes later going, I sounded like a dick in that last email. <laughs> now I feel like, a, like I have to explain myself. And it was very sweet. And... Um, so we had a long-distance relationship for like two years based out of that. 
Did you ever meet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what was that like? Awesome. <laughs> um, the first time I, because I resisted it, because I, I just thought I'm not, I'm not doing it. It's ridiculous. And um, he was just compelling, completely compelling. And I was trying to be more of a mentor to him because he was new and I was pushing him out into going to the Tez Novice night and um, trying to encourage him to get in touch with people to, you know, make him feel a bit more comfortable, all this sort of stuff. And and in the end, um, there was just something about him that was I just couldn't let it go. And the first time I went over there, 27 hours on a plane, on a plane and all my friends are going, well, like, he's meeting you at the airport. You'll have been traveling for 27 hours. Are you insane? I'm like, yeah, you know, he's going to, he's going to see me. <laughs> he's going to see me at my worst. It can only be uphill from then. And, um, I met him at the airport and it was a little bit of a, an awkward shuffle thing. He was completely stressed because for some reason the subway had had some issues and he thought he was going to be late. So he was carrying like this stench of panic on him. Right. <laughs> and we took the subway to where I was staying, which was a little apartment in Harlem. And... At some point, I put my hand on the back of his neck and he he sank into it as if he belonged there. And that was the start. It was just amazing. So I went out there twice, I think, and he came out here once and I think we met in Canada once, so... In that period, maybe every three months we got together, something like that. That's got to be hard, though, to uh, have a long-distance relationship like that. Oh, it sucks. It sucks so bad. <laughs> right? Um, it really does. And I, it was the reason why it ended. Because after a while, the sadness and loneliness of being apart starts to outweigh the joy of the times you have together. Mm-hmm. So the scales start to tip, right? Yeah, I imagine that's got to be really... Yeah, be and really we, neither of us were in a position to relocate, so there was really nowhere for it to go. But still, you got to enjoy our fair city? I love New York. Love it. I went to Paddles there as well. So oh, God, when I to... said I don't, I don't go out to things, I did go there. What, what made you decide to, to start blogging? Um... There was a few reasons, and one was my last submissive is a professional writer, and he was so encouraging, um, like a little bossy boots, <laughs> um, that that was, a, that was a factor. And I have an, a writing ego, which I've been writing journals and stuff since I was 15 literally since I was 15 so I write a lot and I like to write and the other part is the the fact that 
there's there's more now, but there wasn't a lot of stuff out there that was about normal people relating in a healthy way in female dominant relationships. Um, most of the stuff that you find out there is porn, bad porn, stuff pretending to be real but it's really porn. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it really frustrating that there aren't more depictions of what actual relationships are like and that all the, the trials and tribulations and happiness and sexy and fabulousness and all that sort of stuff, that it's all normal, you know? So I wanted to create something that showed that in a more realistic way, but not in a, I don't know, not in a, not as a documentary, you know? Not as a non, non-fiction, no fun, ooh, here's how you do this and safety stuff and, you know, not interested in all that. Right. So, Well, one thing that kind of struck me was that it's, it's um, I why, why I started reading is because it, it was one of the few blogs out there at the time that, that depicted the same type of DS that I identify with, where it's, I guess you could say, I think you've even said it too, strong submissive, I think is the f- phrase you've used, mm-hmm. where where the guy isn't the worm, he's not worthless, he's not that type of thing. Yep. Um, and that's something that I've, I have found so hard to find. It was so hard to find that depict, because you can't find, it's almost never depicted in porn, right? No. Um, so I remember when I first found your blog and I was reading it, um, that was the first, well, first, there's two things that struck me. Wow, she uses a lot of words that I've never heard before. <laughs> They'd be the Australian words. Right. <laughs> Um, no, uh, no, I'm kidding. No, um, the thing that really struck me was that, wow, this is, I'm, I'm, it's so nice to see that there are women, dominant women out there who, because I was always worried that I would have to sacrifice part of my personality, that I wouldn't be able to be me, right? That I wouldn't be able to be whoever I am, right? Um, that was something that always worried me that I'm going to, I'm going to have to put away this, my whole personality and be treated, you know, humiliated all the time and all this other um and it was really refreshing and it sounds like you get a lot of people email also from what i gather you get a lot of women who email you uh who are glad that 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 they don't have to abide by some image of what a dominant woman is i do i do and thank you very much for that by the way because that's one of the reasons that i wanted to write it because I didn't see myself reflected out there and I didn't see the types of submissive that I was interested in reflected out there. And I do get the most amazing emails from mostly new dominants, new female dominants who are either, oh, thank God that you, I, I have seen that I don't have to be that person, that, you know, that bitch or that cold-hearted person or that superior, you know, goddess, all that sort of stuff. And I also get quite a few emails from new female dominants asking for advice. And, uh, you know, it's not like I know everything, but the advice is often about them simply navigating relationships. And because they're new dominants, and I was the same, I think, 
their thought process is so heavily weighted towards the DS stuff that they forget all the just the relationship stuff. So a lot of it is is them being concerned that they're doing it wrong and them being concerned that their submissive won't do what they say and them being concerned that and it's all about all this pressure they're putting themselves under and that maybe their partners are putting them under and all this sort of horrible stuff that makes the experience really unpleasant for them when it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. And I love that. I love that, that A, they're asking me questions and if I can help, that's great. But I love the ones who, who contact me and say that they're relieved that they don't – they feel like there's someone out there who is like them and they can relate and they feel better. And that's awesome. You, you seem to be, uh, based on your blog, not as interested in the toys as much as the DS aspect. I am not. I'm not, I'm not about, oh, these are my kinks that I must have or mm-hmm. anything like that. No. So, and I, I was just thinking – about um, you know approaching women approaching men for play, and I think I'm just trying to get a context. I did write it about it on my blog. There was one one time, and it's the only time I've done this, where I actually trolled CM to find someone to beat, and that was it. I just I didn't want to woo them, I didn't want to have a relationship, I just wanted to find someone, get them in a room, flog them, get out. And that was really difficult. Why? Because even if I was just going to flog them, I wanted I wanted someone who was physically attractive to me. Um, and most of the profiles, even when I was actively looking, like I literally trawled through all of the ones within a certain age range that were local. I didn't, I didn't want someone that squicked me out, right? I didn't want someone that I was going to be a bit paranoid about getting into a room with without doing a whole bunch of due diligence, right? Yeah. I didn't have the patience for any of that. And um, even – and I, I did f- – find someone it was a and actually now that I think about it which my memory is really appalling so I'm surprised I remember this now I did write about it and I think I wrote that this boy I viewed his profile I went not not suitable and moved on and sometimes when you view profiles you know they will send you an email and he sent me an email and I remember posting a thing where I said um oh he wasn't right he was too service orientated and I remember you commenting and saying what does that mean not too service orientated Maybe maybe I'm too service orientated. Right, probably. Yeah. I, mean, I was paranoid. I think I remember this. I was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> and I, I, I remember. I'll, I'll seeing, tell you why I said that, but I, but go ahead. Sorry. Well, I remember seeing you seeing your comment and going, "No, no, 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 no. You're too service orientated. Only if someone wants to get you in a room and beat you up and make you leave, right?" So why why did you why were you paranoid because, about it? Because I was perfectly happy with someone just doing that, right? Because I me I was looking for every experience I could possibly have, uh, right? And so mm-hmm. uh and and in fact, one of the reasons why I know I have friends who after it was very weird, after I got in a relationship, I had there were so many switch and dominant females that I know who were like, "Oh, damn." I, 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 oh, I so wanted to play with you. I'm like, well, what, what the fuck were you? I, you knew where I was. You, 
I had a fucking blog. I had a podcast. I wasn't hiding. I had a profile on every goddamn dating website in the known universe. I did everything but walking down the street with a sign, for God's sake. And almost all of them said, well, one of, one of a few things. Mm. They either said, uh, well, I thought you'd always be available, which I'm like, well, gee, thanks. <gasps> they, they said, well, I thought you'd always be available. Or they said, they said, uh, I thought you, I, I was worried you would get too attached. I was worried that you were, or they were saying, one person said, uh, I was just looking for someone to fuck and that was it. And I'm like, I totally would have fucked and that was it, right? <laughs> I totally would have done that. What, right, in what right, universe right. do you think I would have said, no, I really don't want to fuck you. Uh, and I really don't <laughs> want you to beat me up and torture me. You know, uh, <laughs> asshole. I was, five years I was, Anyway, floating uh, around, I was available. Jesus, right? Exactly. I did everything but send you cock shots. <laughs> that was your mistake. That was my mistake. I should have sent some images of my junk. You should have done that. So what happened? You, you. Um. So I met the guy, and the reason that I said that he was too service orientated was because his profile was all about um, domestic duties. It, there was no masochism in it. Um, I think he was into chastity and he was just not someone who actually expressed any interest at all in being hurt at all. Mm -hmm. And I thought he's just like a bit desperate, right? Because somebody's looked at his profile and they're local and whatever. So that was why I pushed back on him and he was young. He was 25 and I pushed back and said, look, you know, I don't think, I don't think this is for you. And he said, no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah. Really now, and um, this is the first time I've done this, and I find I found it quite interesting. Actually, it was the first time that I went trawling like that. It was the first time I didn't want to put any effort into building a relationship or anything like that. And so we exchanged a few emails. I think we must must have got on IM and um, a phone call I arranged, and I pushed him because he was he was then being a bit reluctant. I pushed him to meet me for coffee, and I actually said, look. It doesn't mean anything. We just meet for coffee, so we've done the due diligence, so we don't waste time. Then if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, that's fine. But at least we've met and we know whether there's a possibility or not. Anyway, we met and there was a really nice chemistry and he <laughs> capitulated on his hard limits immediately, <laughs> right. pretty much, which were no kissing, no sex. Um, I think there were a couple of others, but those struck me first off and I was asking him why and, you know, I wasn't interested in the sex, but I thought I'd probably be interested in some kissing maybe. And he was almost immediately, oh, no, 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 kissing's fine. <laughs> what was his reason for changing? He just he, he was assuming the worst or something? or I, th I think he, yes, I think he put it in his profile so that if he was not attracted to whoever, he could say, no, 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 that's the limit and right. I'm sticking to it. Um, anyway, we, we met and we talked and it was fine and I said I'd, he said, oh, yeah, you know, I think I think that would be okay. And I said, okay, well, I'll give you a week to work up from okay into hell, yes, please. Because if, if you're just going to be oh, okay, I'm not interested. And we kept in touch over the week and he backed out. And that's fine. Like, I'm not concerned about that's him backing wow. out. But it, I found it very interesting because I think I kind of got the first experience that not as bad, but I think I, I got the first experience of what a lot of women complain about where um, 
and I'm going to say submissive men because that's the circles I move in, but that submissive men are really interested and then they just disappear. And this guy didn't, right? He, he was very upfront. I gave him a week. We were in touch on and off over that week and at the end he said, look, I, I don't think I can do it. And I said, you know, that's fine. But it, it was a, a bit of an eye-opener because I kind of got a glimpse of someone and he had integrity, right, but someone who could easily have just disappeared or who was unsure and because I'd done no work to build anything before meeting who could have just not turned up for coffee and I've never had that happen but I kind of got a a little glimpse of why that might happen that he was just not comfortable and I was pushy I was quite pushy with him and I was trying to do it fast and yeah it didn't it didn't work out and that was interesting well I will say that um because I've heard that complaint as well about submissive men being kind of flaky, which mm-hmm. to me always always really surprised me because I had always, I, I guess, uh, I guess I just had just imagined well why. I think I think there's an ex like everybody has expectations, right? And I think there are expectations that are realistic and expectations that are not realistic. Yeah. And I do I do think that particularly people who are new have a lot of unrealistic expectations and I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of and again from the the female dominant sort of perspective there's a lot of a reason why a lot of women will not get involved with newbie submissive males because right. a they don't, they don't know what they want and b they have these bizarre expectations and nobody's ever going to live up to those expectations so I think I think that I think that's a valid fear, but oh my god, I love newbies. Yeah, you've even written, you've been you've old. even written about how much you you like. I have. I love them, but I th- I can understand. I think, from the perspective of women who don't like them, that you're taking a risk. And for me, I kind of think my radar is good enough that. I know how much of a risk I'm taking and if it, if the risk is too high, I'm not taking it, right? If if I think that if I get involved, he's going to scarper after a couple of months, then I'm not going to bother. And I think my my radar for that sort of thing is pretty good. Right. And I think, I think if your radar is not honed that way or you are the type like this thing I did in this one instance where you're moving very fast for whatever reason, then there is much more chance that you don't get to build up a friendship even. You know, there's no friendship. There's no, there's no sense of mutual respect. There's, not, there's nothing. It's just strangers meeting somewhere or not meeting or yeah. whatever. So people don't feel as if they're letting anybody down because after all, you're just some name on the internet sort of thing. Because you offer so many people advice and so many people come to you for your sage wisdom... Um, could you, can you, and because you hear so many different things from different people, what is the, let's say, what is the number one issue that you, or, or advice, I should say, that you can, general advice that you can give to submissive guys and also for dominant women, maybe, that, that approach you? What's, what's the most common thing you find yourself telling them? Um, the most common thing that I find new dominance talking about is 
how and it's often and depending on how it starts but it is often their boyfriend or their man or their husband asking them for a DS relationship which is a tricky place to start from mm-hmm. but one of the big things for that I find a lot from new dominance is that they struggle because he says he wants his thing and then he won't do what I say and often when they explain how that comes about what it tends to be is a complete mismatch of expectations so he has in his head that he wants this DS relationship and he asks her please you know can we do this and she's a a, a loving partner or perhaps she has discovered DS on her own and you know finds a, a man who's willing to do this with her and what I think happens a lot, especially if they're both new, is that he has this picture of how it will work and he doesn't even realise, he's not being a a jerk on purpose, but he doesn't actually realise that what he's asking her to do actually is to play a role in his fantasy. And she does some research and she finds out what DS is about and she's obviously found my blog and probably other resources and she's going, you know, this could be great. And so she, her expectations are that she's going to get all this lovely attention and she's going to be able to ask for what she wants and he's going to be all happy puppy, you know, doing these things for her and then they're going to have this awesome sex and she's going to be able to experiment in with, you know, maybe some kinky stuff and all this sort of stuff. And the biggest piece of advice I find myself giving to people, and it's, you know, it is communication, but I tend not to say, oh, you've got to communicate because it's not helpful. Yeah. And what I tend to do is advise them each to write out, sit down, you know, have a glass of wine, get all relaxed and separately each write out what a perfect day would be like in this DS relationship and then a perfect week. And if you're in a long-term relationship, you get to write out a perfect month. So, you you know, kind of small picture to big picture. And often when I do get feedback from them, which I love on what happened, you know, sometimes it's just, well, he wanted, oh, I walk in the door, you kick me in the nuts, tell me to get naked, grab me by the hair and smash my face into the wall where she's going, oh, you come home and you give me a big hug and you go and make me a drink and you massage my feet and they're sort of looking at each other's vision of what this looks like and go, what the fuck is that? (laughs) (laughs) So I I kind of, that's the the advice I most, am most commonly giving out where they actually write down practically their expectations of what this looks like because if he says I want DS I want you to be bossy I want you to tell me what to do and I'll be happy to do it and she goes that sounds awesome and then he's going oh, I want to do that oh, no not that either right. and then they both get frustrated and they're both going what the hell's going on here exactly yeah well especially if they're finding your blog that's probably a, a way for them to go oh wow this isn't creepy and weird this is going to be really you know they're they're finding the female version of what it right yeah and if they if they can find a middle ground like it doesn't if they're mismatched at the beginning it doesn't necessarily mean they can't do it it just means they need to find some middle ground where it works for both of them and that compromise thing um which is fine until she's playing a role for him or you know he's 
just doing a whole bunch of stuff he hates. Right, right. <laughs> Which is not going to work, right? Do you, so is, do you find yourself giving pretty much the same uh, advice to submissive guys who email you? Or? Um, I, think, I think the problems that new dominant women come to me with are much more of that ilk. Yeah. And then submissive Where, guys, it's probably how do I meet someone? Yeah, with yeah. submissive with submissive men, actually, I, I get quite a few from young submissive men, and often it's it's con- simple confusion about their role and about how they feel about being that worm guy. Yeah. You know, so it's a different thing. They're they're normally not asking for relationship stuff. Occasionally, I get ones where they say, "How do I get my girlfriend to?" Yeah, you know, but mostly what I get is young submissive men who don't want to be that guy yeah and so they're they're really looking for reassurance that they don't have to be that guy that women like them not being that guy you know so so uh three three more things Mm -hmm. uh number one uh, this is for anyone uh who's listening who's obviously very curious about you know if there's a guy out there who's who's like my God, how do I learn more about this per- this person? Um, there's always your blog. You obviously have a FetLife profile. You have uh, uh, you're on Color Me, but I- I'm, I'm going to read something from your blog, and maybe you could comment on it as mm-hmm. uh, as I read it. Maybe sure. uh, uh, of what you're looking for, and maybe th- this has changed since you wrote it. This is this is sort of what you wrote about your ideal DS relationship. Oh, this will be fun, right? Uh, these are sort of like your rules, right? And then maybe maybe I misread this, and maybe you were being totally sarcastic, and these aren't them. <laughs> okay. But I'm pretty sure uh, he's not allowed to sit on the furniture without permission. Mm-hmm. Is that that's your thing? Yes, that's the thing. Okay. No, I know that's a thing. I just want to know it was your thing. That's that's a thing for me. Yes. Yeah. What is it about that that just you you just like so it's always something that's on the background? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hot. Uh, there should be a full bottle of wine and a full bottle of cold water in the fridge at all times. Yep. Pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. My water glass in the living room should be topped up when it gets empty. Are you sure that Saad didn't write this? <laughs> there, is, there is a dominant female hive mind, haven't you learned this <laughs> You guys have meetings <laughs> to talk about. What are we into this week? That's right. Uh, toilet seat down always. Yes. Uh, just we have a... Funny story, but anyway, uh, w- when I come home, he greets me kneeling at the door. Mm-hmm. So this is something Saad I know would not like mm-hmm. because uh, already the dog freaks out when she gets home. And <laughs> I'm over there. I just get a tail in the face. Um, what is it about that that turns you on? I mean, I think it's I think it's incredibly sweet. Yeah. I think it's like coming like in a vanilla relationship where you develop habits and I think with a DS relationship the habits are more learned but you know if you if you come home and your partner in a vanilla relationship your partner's home I don't want them to be sitting in their office doing their thing they hear the door open they go hi yeah. you know that sucks and in a vanilla relationship I think you know there are habits that that you form because people like them and the nice thing about DS relationship is you get to tell someone what you like and the reason I like it is because 
I get home, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm cranky, maybe I just want to see him and he's right there and the kneeling thing is just beautiful and I get to lean down and get kisses and gorgeous. Uh, we're, we're practical. I, I, I mm-hmm. mean, I had nothing to add. I wasn't going to say, yeah, that's gorgeous. <laughs> you know. I know you think it is. Right. Uh, we're, it's hot. I, I, grant, I grant you that it is hot. We're practical. He's responsible for my footwear, putting on, taking off and putting away. Mm-hmm. Uh, when would that would not be practical? Um, if we've come home and we're both so drunk that we can barely make it to the bed. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he always calls. He always calls me ma'am. Mm-hmm. Pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we we do that. I, I call I call Sod ma'am, but it's only usually in the context of play that I call her ma'am, or uh, when there's something DS going on. Yeah. I think because I mean we de- we definitely have this little thing where we're. There's always a, a subtext of DS, but there's levels of it where it's more whatever. Yes. No, I know what you mean. Um, I like it. I like it out in the world also, and it's something you can kind of get away with. This is true. This is true. Mm. Uh, and then you have etc. <laughs> well, of course. Is there anything? Is there anything you wanted to add? Well, I. The reason I put those down is because they're irrelevant. To who he is. Right. They're things I like regardless. And anything else, et cetera, are things that work for us. So I don't have a whole bunch of set ideas that you must do this and you must do that. That kind of covers just some basic things that I like. Right. So the et cetera is to cover everything else, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is a whole bunch of stuff. Actually, I'm not, I'm, I don't have a whole bunch of rules because I think they're exhausting and, and it's too hard to keep track of them most of the things that i like that express the ds relationship evolve as you develop the relationship you know what i mean yeah absolutely mm. um and then we have a, a, a twitter question i I, twi- I tweeted to one person in particular who i knew would have a question who was it uh it was dum dum oh okay uh because i knew i knew i thought she's she's definitely going to have Something. And it was more of a request than a question. Mm-hmm. I mean, make, I want to read this exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you ask her to say, quote, moo motherfucker. <laughs> I've already recorded that. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I think she wants... I'm happy to do it. Well, uh, first off, I've seen you write that. Can you give, me, give us the genesis behind this? I read something on a profile, and I would love to give the person credit because it so made me laugh, where she said um, something like, if, I, if, I'm, if the fact that I'm demanding you send me an intelligent email instead of an idiotic one makes me a cow, then moo, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That was brilliant, and I, I I blogged about it, and I'd already forgotten where I found it. And it seemed to me it's the perfect response to any idiotic thing that anybody does ever. You know, they do something really idiotic, and you just go "moo, motherfucker," and they'll be going, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Thank you very much, and uh, enjoy your workout or whatever's going on the rest of your day. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Good night. Bye bye. Thank you, Ferns. Again, her. 
website is dom that's d-o-m-m-e hyphen chronicles.com you can find a link on the website massacast.com uh, also i'll be doing another big round of interviews soon enough if you know of someone who'd like to be on the show or if you yourself would like to volunteer email me massacast at gmail.com we'll see you later bye-bye